0: I'm your host, Rena Friedman-Watts, and
1: this is the Better Call Daddy Show. Hey, this is Big Daddy, Wayne Friedman.
0: That's my grandpa. Grandpa, you ready for more daddy drama? My dad is my number one hero and number one fan.
1: And I'm a pretty cool dude.
0: All right, season four, baby, here we go. More stories you're not going to believe.
1: And maybe you will after you listen. Five stars. Five and a half stars, two thumbs up.
0: You are a pretty cool dude. I love you, mommy.
1: Don't stand on the table and damn the public. You'll get some words of wisdom to live by.
0: Here we go again. Better call daddy. You know
1: what your problem is? You like
0: me. Yeah, I do. Each week, I interview a guest, share the stories with my dad, and then he weighs in at the end of every episode with his wisdom and wit. Hey, Grandpa. Everyone from influential players to inspirational fathers,
1: and of course, controversial people. Grandpa, my mom is calling. Creating that legacy one call at a time. And welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Stay tuned. Where's the music? Better Call Daddy, cause he knows your band. He's bringing the zest, he sees possibilities
2: ooh, the moon, with a cold day, you will be by your side
0: Today's guest, Lauren Cooper, my dad says could have been nicknamed Bubbles. He said when listening to her bubbly personality throughout my interview, he felt like he was drinking champagne. She's a television producer with over 10 years of experience. Her passion for production and high standards for excellence has led to her working on TV and film projects that have aired on NBC, ABC, and CBS. Lauren Cooper, welcome to the Better Call Daddy show. Let's talk about Hollywood. Let's do it. I'm
2: um- Pumped. It's funny because I dream about Hollywood like 24-7, but I've never actually worked there. All my production work has been on the East Coast in New York or New Jersey. I've never hopped on over to the West Coast. That's a future summer plan of ours, which I'm pretty excited about. But I've been talking to a lot of people. People say it's kind of slow there. So I know
0: I'm a little
2: nervous. I'm excited to go check it out, but I'm a little nervous.
0: I would love to know what production is like on the East Coast because I experienced the other.
2: It's funny because it's cold. I find myself being cold often because I, for some reason, am filming. It's either raining or freezing outside. And we're always outside unless you're in a studio. And studios are cold because the equipment and the lighting and everything. And so I'm always cold. Bring a sweater. Or a sweatshirt but yeah i mean everybody's really nice but it's no for me in my experience it's always been you work you get the work done i mean and that's also my personality people would be like having fun and i'm fun but i always like to make sure my work is done because otherwise it's on my shoulders and i always like to know all right work is done now let's go play as opposed to let's like this could take us an hour we'll do 15 minutes here and 15 minutes here like everybody in new york is kind of really focused and determined which i enjoy But I think I'm kind of ready to take that step into the Hollywood production because there's bigger projects, more exciting projects, a lot more people to connect with and collaborate with. And so I'm pumped to kind of expand my production to bi-coastal. But yeah, I mean, I'm really I just love it. I love producing and I was actually just tweaking my resume today and I've tweaked my resume as if it's my full-time job. Cause I just love, I love tweaking my resume. I don't know why it's a space here and a space there. Like I love it when everything is so symmetrical and in my eyes, nothing is like ever perfect. So I'll like quickly, you know, tweak it. And I was going over the types of production that I've done. That is one of the longer lists that I have on my resume because I was like, I've done commercial, I've done features, I've done TV, it's unscripted, non scripted non-scripted, documentary, you know, docu series, and it's all the same. And as long as you love the work, and I love the work, I just enjoy it. And so people are always like, Well, what do you want to do specifically in production? I was like, I want to produce. That's all I want to do because You know, you can say, I'm going to limit myself to TV, I'm going to limit myself to film, but it's all if the passion is there and the the project is exciting, it doesn't matter to me exactly where I am producing. It's the same skill set.
0: What does a producer mean to you?
2: So a lot of people don't know what a producer does. And that's like probably the most common question I get. And aside from talking, I'll like throw out, you know, budgets and schedules. That's basically a lot of what I do. But a lot of the times I just say to keep it really simple, when you're filming or you're creating a show, movie, whatever it is, you fix the problems. There are problems and issues and conflict that come up and you figure out the best way to solve it. And it's not even a, well, what if there's no issues? There's always issues. There is always problems that come up, whether it's scheduling or budgets or someone's sick, or we can't shoot here and turns out we need this release of whatever it is things are always coming up because there's so many moving parts and such the bigger the project, the more moving parts there are. There's always, there's always something that comes up that needs fixing. And that's what the producer is there for, aside from making sure it runs smoothly on schedule and on budget. That's my very long elevator pitch.
0: (laughs) So what kind of budgets have you worked with and what all goes into a budget that people might not know?
2: I've worked on small, small budgets. And when I say small, I'm talking about like $10,000 for something. And the biggest project I've done was I would say half a million dollars, which in the long scheme of things in in movie world, it's not a ton. But for me coming out, that's, that's a whole lot of money for me. That's like, how much my house costs. It's a lot of money to work around. It's also not my own money. So that also kind of adds to it. I mean, you really, really have to go through everything that goes into the budget. So you need to think about everybody's time, all the equipment, how many days is it gonna take the editor to cut? How long is it going to take the lighting department to set up and hair and makeup? And if you have a tight schedule, not really tight schedule, like in a little bit amount, of, you know, short amount of time, but if you have a tight schedule in the sense of it's concrete And you know exactly what it is that you're doing and when you're doing it, things should run smoothly. So things I think people oftentimes forget are things that happen in post-production, whether you have to think about usage rights and music and, you know, mixing audio. A lot of people don't, you know, color correction. A lot of people who don't know the ins and outs of production from start to finish, they might not realize the little details that go into a budget. And so whether union, non-union, there's so many details. And one of the things I do is called a line. I'm a line producer because in a budget, there are lines and every line is a different cost. And you just got to go through everything and make sure you're really accounting for everything. The money that you get is the money that you get. You don't want to go over if you can go under that. That's
0: great. Yes. I know who the line producers are. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I know you do but I did not know if anybody else yeah yeah
0: yeah no I I like hearing your explanation of it have you ever like sat in on voiceovers like how did you find the parts of production that you liked because you have tried lots of different things as have I yeah it's
2: I think it's a trial and error to find out what it is that I like for me I know I started off with at MTV and I did a casting for one of their shows I liked it but I realized it wasn't really for me I wanted to do more of the actual production of you know being on set and you know the hustle and bustle and I really enjoyed that and so I kind of switched over and I kind of after MTV I really hopped around I did TV and film and and I realized that while I like being on set it's a lot it's I mean it's a lot people you know you work 10 to 12 to 14 hours and it's a long day and balancing that kind of life while also being a mother was a little challenging for me. And so I started kind of making my way into the more managerial side of production, which is the budgets and the scheduling. And I realized that you still, you still do have that creative input while also kind of keeping more to the manager side and the finances and the schedule side of production. And to me, that really spoke to me. I really enjoyed that. Also, because there's something about production management that you need a very specific kind of brain, to how it works. And so I was talking to actually a producer slash director earlier this week, and he was saying, you are what I need in life, because I am so disorganized. Like I tried emailing him a couple of times to just sit and talk and see how we can work together. And only the second or third time he answered me and he was like, you were on top of it and you send me everything you need to send me. And I dropped the ball and I'm just very disorganized, but I'm more of the creative side of it. And so I can spit out, you know, five screenplays in a week, but I have no organizational skills and I can't keep track of schedules and budgets. So he was like, it really takes a very specific mind to understand how to think things through. And then in the long, term and scheme of things, but it also, you got to think of all the details. You got to be organized and not everybody in production is super organized.
0: <laughs> yes. There are a lot of creatives types that need organization for sure
2: yeah they need to be just geared and kind of pushed along in the in the right way not anything on them because i'm sure i have a lot to learn when it comes to so being the the creative side of production i think also what's interesting is i think that it really goes hand in hand you have the two different type of brains i guess left and right whatever side is which and we really work together and we work well together to kind of create an amazing project
0: what show did you cast for
2: I did for MTV Maids. Did you watch Maid? It was on for about a million seasons. No, I worked for, it was on for, I think, 12 seasons. I worked for the last four or five of them. It's basically, we cast high school kids. So you would have to send a crew out to all over the country. You'd have to find schools and districts that allowed filming. And it would be, I want to be made into Homecoming King. And it would be, you know, like the chess the captain of the chess team or something like that. Or, you know, I, I want to be head of the school play and I'm super shy or something, something like that, where they wanted to be something that they were the opposite of. And then we would bring in a coach and it would be this whole process that we would kind of document and see how they get from point A to point B with the little push. So I worked on that for a long time. And it's nice because you really see how you you impacted people's lives, you know, to the skill set that you teach these kids. I mean, I get that we're putting a camera in front of them and, you know, making them do these things that are hard for them. But at the time, it's probably hard. But right now, they're probably they're in high school, let's say 15 years ago, like they're old now, they're older, they're us, they're millennials. And so they are probably using those skill set, you know, someone who is shy is probably using that that public speaking skill set that they learned on MADE and conducting a boardroom or whatever it is. And I feel like we made a difference, as silly as an MTV show is. It really made a
0: difference. Did you ever want to be made?
2: My whole life. Like every day of high school, I wanted to be made. What do I want to be made into? And you know what? It all revolves around production. I kid you not. Back in high school, at first I wanted to be made into an actress because I knew I wanted to work in the movie business and TV and I wasn't sure how. And so I had, I was like, I want to be made into an actress. And my friend growing up was, you know, very charismatic and in all the school plays. And I was like, teach me how to do this. She's like, all right, pretend to be sad. pretend. And I was like, oh, I hate this. I hate this. And then I think it wasn't until my senior year of high school, I took like a production media class and I was like, this is my dream. This is what I want to do. And so I was like, I'll be behind the cameras and I'm so happy to do whatever it is. And I hopped around until I found I was like, oh, producing like I can do that. And I'm one of those people who I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up since day one. And it evolved, you know, I definitely don't want to be in front of the camera now. And I know exactly I can, I'm terrified. (laughs) This was a really big deal for me to do this podcast because I was like, I'm, I'm very nervous and I push myself out of, I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And
0: yeah, I have all the nerves. I can relate to that so much. Like, I love the entertainment world, but I don't love the stage. I actually, I push stage. myself all the time to try to get better in front of the camera, to to try to interview better, to try to speak clearer, to try to say things more succinctly, to ask the right questions. I'm constantly battling imposter syndrome. Oh, 100% imposter syndrome all day, every day, especially working on bigger shoots.
2: I mean, I have these fears and I'm definitely pushing myself. Would I get up and speak in front of a room full of people? I say my initial response to that was going to say no, but I was thinking my friend just told me she's a teacher and she has a career day. She's like, who wants to come in and do career day? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell her that I'm going to do it. And they're kids. So hopefully it won't be so, so bad. But even that like makes me nervous. And so I just am pushing myself. I got to do what I got to do to get where I want to go.
0: I 100% agree with you. Wow. What about your folks? I know that you have a special relationship with your dad and he's quite a little bit of a performer. You guys perform together.
2: Yeah. I love my dad. So my parents are really supportive. It took them a little bit of time to fully understand what it is that a producer does as people don't know. And it took them a little bit to understand like, okay, I'm not, this is a real career. It's a real career and I can make a living out of it, but they are so supportive of me and they'll back me up and support me in every way possible in any way that they possibly can. But me and my dad, it's funny because me and my dad always had this special bond. I'm the only girl and he always says like, I'm wrapped around, he's wrapped around my finger. So we always have these really special tender moments together. And one of the things that we do is anytime there's music, he and I love to dance. And my mom's more of like the shy person on the side. And we started this when I was young, so much younger. I can't even begin to tell you at what age and anytime there's music and he would just grab my hand, whether or not people were dancing and he would grab my hand and we would dance together. And it's like the like old fashioned dancing of like swinging each other and dips and everything hands behind the, the head. And we had this whole routine planned and we knew it. We had the dance moves and it was to the, I mean, sadly, we haven't done it in a while, but I'm going to bring it back because I loved it. And I'm telling now my husband to do these things with my daughter. I was like, she'll remember this. These are, that is the moment I remember almost more than anything else about how we used to dance all the time together. And like people would stop and stare
0: and applaud us. And we loved it. I, I loved it. That's so sweet. I feel like my dad is really a ham too. And that helps me in being more confident in myself. Do you find that as well? I do. And it's funny
2: because I feel like confidence is just something as a person. And as a woman, I feel like I suffer with, and it's a constant struggle to be working on my confidence. And I'll call my dad now and say, Hey, you know, I'm really nervous about this. I'm nervous about the going on the podcast. Like what if I can't, speak correctly or well or articulate what I have to say. He's always so, so supportive and almost in a not, no nonsense way saying, what do you mean? You're going to do great. Of course, you're going to do great. Like you're amazing. Of course, you know, you have this, you have that. And he'll be my pep talk in my head saying, you know, okay, I got this, you know, don't worry about it. He's always so supportive and always there for me to listen, being like, you're awesome. You're awesome. You got this. And that's like the, the little confidence in me is, is growing definitely from my parents, my husband, but yeah, my dad is always so supportive.
0: I love that. What do you think he's the most proud of you about? Weird that you're about to make me cry
2: right now. I'm about, I'm like tears right now. I honestly think he's really proud of me about the person that I am. And what's great is that he tells me that my family Everyone in my family, we're very verbal with one another. And like, if something is bothering us, we don't hide it. We're not passive aggressive. We'll say, hey, you're bugging me because you did X, Y, and Z. Or if we're really supportive, we'll say something. We communicate. We over communicate sometimes. And so a lot of times he'll, you know, he'll just call me and say, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm really proud of you. You're a really great person. You work really hard. You're doing this. You're a great mom. You really grew up to be, you know, such an amazing person. And he he tells me that, which goes a long way.
0: It really does. Do you give that back to him? I do.
2: I do. And I think I started... Once I left my house after high school and I started living on my own, I realized how what a great job my parents did in raising me. Because as a teenager, you don't really, you don't see it. You fight them a lot. And it took me to leave in the nest to really see other people and how they were raised and the things, the decisions that I made compared to how other people made decisions and seeing other people's parenting. And I was like, you know what? My parents did something good. And I tell them, I wrote a letter To my parents, this was a year after I graduated high school, saying, hey, I just want to let you know, I see it now. I see it and I apologize for what I did when I was little, but like you raised me and my brothers, you raised us good. Thank you.
0: What motivated that?
2: I don't remember. Something must have happened and I guess I don't remember. Did you need a car? No. (laughs) No, it wasn't a second-handed, well, love you, but I need some money. I need some money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> can I do my laundry yeah right exactly no I think something must have happened I must have I honestly don't remember but my parent. the reason I remember that email is because my parents still talk about it they're like remember when you wrote that email to us and that was really eye-opening for us and you changed and that's when you, that's when we realized like you got it you know you're you're grown-up now you're
0: matured that's amazing for parents to know that that their kid can stand on their own two feet.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's all we want as parents. We just want to know that we didn't fail, and especially now with three little kids, like I feel like I'm failing on a daily basis. Me but too. To know that if- eventually, yeah, I mean, it's, it's rough. My, my three year old has been sick. Today was the first day of the week that he's, he's gone to school. And so it's been rough here. And I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't balance everything work and taking care of him. And it was just chaos. And and I like to think the, the idea that I hold on to is that one day, I hope that he looks back or my kids look back and saying, my parents raised me well. Like I make these decisions and I make them because that's how my parents raised me. So that's, you, that's my dream.
0: Do you want them to live their own life or do you have certain things that you hope they carry on?
2: I want them to live their own life. I'm sure there are things like I remember growing up saying, "I'm I want my kids to learn how to play violin because that seems really cool. And I never learned how to do that. But none of my kids play violin right now. Like it was I have all these big ideas. And then when it comes to it, and they're like, I want to do that. I was like, you be whatever you want to be. And I want you to be so independent, you make your own choices. And this is your life. And you know, I want you to be as independent, as free spirited as you possibly can. So I think in the back of my mind, like if you were to ask me, I was like, I want this and this and this for my kids. But then when it when they asked me about it, I was like, do whatever you want. It's fine. I want you to have the greatest life.
0: (laughs) Do you feel like parenting slowed you down at all?
2: For sure. In some ways. I think it slowed me down in I'm able to now prioritize where my time is because it used to be I would be on set for, let's say, 12 to 14 hours and that would be fine. I'd come home and I'd have a slice of pizza and go to sleep and do the same thing the next day. But as a parent, you can't do that. I remember what changed it for me. And this might be a little too much information, but I'll just share it with everybody. I remember right after I gave birth to my firstborn, my daughter, she was, I would say probably six weeks. Somebody called that they had a project. And so I was on set like within a week. I had, you know, a week to set up. I literally had her breastfeeding with my arms over her on the computer working. And the day I was on set. It was like in a warehouse and I had to pump. And I remember sitting on the floor of this dirty bathroom, the one bathroom for the entire casting crew. And I... Was just taking up the one bathroom for 20 minutes so I can pump and remember thinking I'm mortified and disgusted and like this is just not and I think nowadays that was a long time ago so nowadays it's different and people respect this more and there's different rooms and accommodations but back in the day it was back in the day as if I'm 100 but back in the day it wasn't like that and I remember thinking I can't do this so I definitely slowed down my production and said hey I want to produce but I can't do it. If If it's going to impact my life and having that work life balance is crucial to me. And that doesn't mean 50 50 every day, but that does mean some days I work more and some days I'm a mom more. But I have to have those, I need to have both of those days. So, work wise, it's definitely slow me down. I definitely pick specific jobs and projects based on what I feel like I can handle, what I want to handle. But I also think it, Wicked me up. As a mom, like my reaction time and the amount of things that I can multitask in my brain and physically is out of this world. I move so much faster. My brain somehow moves so much faster where I feel like I'm multitasking every second of every day, whether that's you know, even doing this, I'm like, okay, well, I got to pick the kids up and I got to do this. Like I keep track of everything in my life as best I can. I just feel like I move so much faster and I time manage more and more efficiently. And I think that motherhood really teaches you that. I actually
0: think that motherhood would make someone a better producer. 100%
2: agree. And it's funny, because sometimes I think that sometimes I'm almost nervous to say like, I'm a mom, because I feel like sometimes people would be, you know, say, well, you know, you have other priorities. What if we need you here? What if your kid is sick? But honestly, if you trust that person, if you're going to trust me to produce your project, then you need to know that if that ever happens, I'm going to cover myself. You know, I will plan accordingly. I will move quicker. I can have, listen, I was on a call yesterday and my son was sitting next to me screaming his head off that he wanted water, but I couldn't hang up the phone. It was, it was an important call. And so I, very off camera was trying to help him. And I got done what I needed to get done with him screaming in the background. And sometimes you just got to do that. And it works out that way. But I agree. I think motherhood almost makes me work harder and more efficiently where I see it as a pro. And it boggles my mind that people see it as a con.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes you much more of a problem solver. You're having to solve problems all day long,
2: all day long. It never ends work home. It's problem-solving 101, that makes sense.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's funny because it wasn't until my fourth kid that I got a nanny, and I was on a nanny show after having worked on a nanny show for three seasons, and this nanny, Wendy City nanny, who's now been on my podcast, Florence Ann, she said, you can have it all. You can have both. It is possible. And it was so interesting, actually, to hear that. Right.
2: Because most people say you can't, but I think you can as long as you have help. You can't do it. You can't have it all alone. There's just not enough time in the day and not enough energy. And I think if you have the help and the support system and the people around you, your your crew or your village, like that's really what it is. You need help. And if you have that help and you have that support system around you, there's no reason why you can't have it all.
0: Speaking of community and finding your tribe, talk a little bit about some of your mommy blogging and the community that you built around that. I think that's really cool.
2: Yeah. So when I decided to step away from production, I ended up making my own content creating mommy blogging influencer page. I created it because I wanted to continue producing. That was my way of my creative outlet. And I wanted to keep creating content and keeping those juices flowing. And I created, well, originally when I sat down, I was like, okay, well, what should I blog about? You can blog about so many different things, fashion and whatever. And I was like, I'm not really into crazy fashion. Yeah. I love fashion, but I'm not super into it. I love travel and I'm not super into it, but being a mom, that's my life. And that's where I am right now. And finding somebody who can help me with whether it's hacks or cheap products or toys that keep kids busy for more than two seconds. Those things go a long way. And I found that there wasn't a place where I can find that where I related to the person. And so I decided to create it. We being me, my family and my kids, they were big old troopers and everybody was involved. And I found something and I blogged about it or, you know, created a reel or TikTok or whatever it may be. And I really enjoyed the community. There's, I stopped content creating for Instagram and blogging that almost a year ago and there are still people on the app. I keep my page open and available only because there are still people on that app that I talk to on a daily basis. I have friends that I made through Instagram that I met on Instagram that I talk to on a daily basis, that we know more about each other's lives than people who live around us and are, you know, our friends physically in front of us. One of my friends, her husband's going through stage four cancer and we're, while we can't be there for her, we are sending her cards. We're sending her flowers. We're sending her as much as we can checking in on her because we want to support her and want to be there for her, but I've never met her. And so the community that I've made is really unbelievable. And I really, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed mommy blogging because number, it got me in front of the camera. And that was something that I had to overcome. And I practiced and talk about myself. Yeah. yeah, it was, I remember it was being, it was so hard. It was so hard being in front of the camera. And I would, fir- at first I was scared to push the record button. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to, click it. I'm going to click record. And if I don't like it, I can always re-record. And if I didn't like something that I said, I can always just do it again. And I think that helped. And it's just practice. I used to have people who message me all the time being like, how are you doing that? And I was like, honestly, practice. If you looked at the videos that I did a year ago, they are not as good and as comfortable as I am right now. So it's a lot of practice. And I also think it's a lot of pushing yourself because once I was fine you know, recording, I decided to go ahead and have live guests and do one of those like Instagram lives. And I did that once a week with different guests, kind of, you know, I guess, kind of like this of people coming on and saying, Hey, you know, what can we do? And then practicing public speaking live. And that was very nerve wracking for me. And and it's, I think that's where I am now. Listen, I'll always get nervous, but put me in front of a camera and say, action, I'll go. You know, I can do it. But it used to be that I said, I married my husband because he's the public speaker. Now I never need to public speak ever again.
0: <laughs> that's cute. How'd you guys meet? The
2: fast story and the quick story is that we met through friends. But if you want to know the real story, I was out in the city one night with my friends and we were at a bar and I saw this boy walk in, this young man, and he walked in and the friends that I was with, he knew he was friends with too. We had a lot of mutual friends and he came over and they were like, Lauren, binyam, binyam, Lauren and he, oh, nice to meet you. And that was it. That was the only thing we said to each other that night, but he walked away and I was like, who was that? I was like, he's cute. He's tall. Like, Got that blonde hair that I love. I was like, who was that? And everybody was like, oh, you guys would be perfect for each other. And then I proceeded to stalk him on social media for about maybe six, seven months. And finally, I had friends say, get a hold of him and say, Hey, we really think you're gonna be amazing with Laura, we want to introduce you. And he called me and the rest is history. And he knows that I stalked him. And he knows all about that. But what's funny is that he doesn't remember that first meeting, because he said that he ended up leaving that night, because he had a like, stomach bug or he ate something and he was not, not, he like to be clear. He was not wrong, but he was throwing up because of something he ate. And he ended up immediately leaving after he met me to go home because he felt terrible. And I was like, I just met my dream man. And he knows I stalked him and, you know, would stare at his picture being like, I need to meet this guy and he's okay with it. We're meant to be. I love that. How is he as a dad? He's so amazing. I honestly think I look at him and he makes me be a better mom. He's so patient with the kids. And that is something I definitely have to work on a little bit with my patients. I love that he's the one that they go to for fun stuff. And I like to see that where they, you know, before bed, they'll be like, we play ball. I'd be like, no, why are we playing ball inside the house? And he'll be like, all right, let's go three catches. And like, it just brightens up their day. That's all it is. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And he's so good. He's so caring. He's always the one who carries them on his shoulders or his back or remembers, say, hey, you know, I remember a lot of things, but he'll be like, hey, we need to pack lunches and we need to pack snacks. And he's the one in the morning who does, you know, gets everybody ready and out the door I physically drive them to school, but he's the one who gets them out the door. And I give him 100% credit for that. And he's really great, I think, as a dad, but also as... A partner to have that balance because we both work full time and being a parent is full time and taking care of a home is full time. And so to have somebody who splits the responsibilities with me is just huge. He's so supportive and so wonderful and he's hilarious. Yeah, I love Makes that. Makes me funnier. How does he make you laugh? Everything. I think he's just hilarious. I just like everything he says, he just is so funny. And if there's ever a joke that doesn't land and I don't understand it, he'll be like, all right, next one, you know, don't worry about it. You'll get it. And then two minutes later, I'll be like, no, I get it, I get it. And be like, there you go, you got it.
0: That's sweet. You know, I feel like in the beginning of a relationship, it's really important to talk about what you want the house to look like or the home to look like. Did you do that at all or did you just jump in the deep end? We
2: spoke about it a little bit, but I think we also kind of found our own way. Our homes, we were raised pretty similar. Our parents are all very similar. They're friends and they go to movies, the four of them together without us. And we're like, that's cute. but weird for us, but by all means do what you need to do and <laughs> you know have fun. I think that we just kind of morphed into I think we morphed into what happens on a daily basis. And you know, I bring certain aspects and he brought certain aspects to the table. And we say, okay, how do we make these both work where we're both comfortable? And there's certain bigger ideas that we had to discuss, you know, religion and how we wanted to raise our kids and how we wanted to live. But other than that, the more detailed day-to-day life we just kind of ebb and flowed and just kind of morphed and we're very we're not so similar he's more quiet and I can chat up literally anybody anywhere but we have the same morals we have the same you know mutual respect for each other and it shows i think in our home
0: that's amazing that's a big blessing yeah yeah
2: i got lucky he's a good catch
0: that's awesome do you want to talk at all about shabbos and like how that plays into your life at all sure i think it's cool that you've been doing that since you were a kid because i didn't start keeping really the sabbath until i think i was like 25
2: Right. So I grew up, I'm Jewish. I grew up religious and same thing with my husband. And so we both have been, since we were born, you know, keeping Shabbos or Sabbath and which means we don't use any electronics. We don't touch lights. We don't cook. We don't do any work from Friday night to Saturday night. That is something that's really important to me. That's something important that we, you know, deliver to our kids and show them that It's important to us. It should be important to them. But it's funny because as a kid, you grow up and you almost are annoyed by it because you want to be connected to your friends on your phones and you want to play video games and you want to watch TV and you want to drive places. And so as a kid and a teenager growing up, you just think, oh, this is a, a burden it's cumbersome. And now as an adult, I look forward to Friday nights every week because it's a time for me to unplug. I turn my phone off. I turn my computer off. It's time for us to have uninterrupted family time. And yes, we go out and we see friends that we walk to and things like that, but we always make sure that there's time for us to just talk. Our weeks are so jam-packed there are some days on, you know, some weeks on, on Friday night. My husband and I sit down, and we're like, "Okay, we haven't actually spoken in like a week, so here's the recap of my week, and here are the the things that we need to decide on." And and that's our that's our time to talk. So it's nice that you know there's no distractions, there's no phone, there's no work. It's just quality family time. And as a mother. That's something I cherish because I know a lot of people don't have that. It's hard. It's hard to unplug if you don't feel like you have to. And, The fact that I do because my religion is, you know, it's part of my religion is
0: very healthy. I think for me, I really enjoy it. Definitely. Have you ever struggled with religion?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's always a a growth that you need. I remember when I was younger, I had a lot of questions and my parents took me to talk to people and took me to answer questions and to, to help guide and to help me feel less struggle, like I was struggling and and less alone, found me books. And I think that helped a little bit. But I think that what really it comes down to is internal growth. Because it's not really until you mature do you realize that religion is bigger than just me wanting to be on my phone 24-7. It's bigger than that. And it's important. And especially once you have kids and you realize, okay, these are the values that I need to instill in my kids. How can I instill them in my kids if if it's not a value to me? And so that is something that, you know, you have to really decide okay, these are my values. And these are, this is what I'm going to be teaching my kids.
0: Have you figured out what your values are? Uh, good question.
2: I think it's a constant struggle. I think it it's always, it's always moving. I have my values of, you know, being a good person, you know, caring about yourself. I think self-care is a is a value that I am working on now on myself and I'm making sure that my kids know how to self care and take care of themselves too. But for the most part, I think as, as people were just constantly evolving.
0: Definitely. How have you evolved? You're asking tough questions. These are tough questions. I mean, I'm I- constantly thinking about these things too. About myself, I love right, you know. Right,
2: I mean, I think that as a person, like, who are we if we're not constantly growing and learning? I think that you can't stand still. If you stand still, you're not you're not going anywhere. I think for me, I started evolving. I think probably what I think is, and I'm sure this is probably wrong. So I've evolved. I'm sure you can say you evolve your whole life, but I feel like I really started becoming who I am in college. And really trying to figure out what are the more my morals, what are my values, and just taking it from there and really constantly, constantly working on it and growing and saying, okay, now I feel, you know, I'm a good person, but you know, if I see somebody struggling, do I go and help them? Yes, I do. Okay, great. So if I see somebody who's doing this, like maybe I should go over and talk to them, that's something I need to work on. Great. Let me go work on that. And seeing, hey, here, what are my skill set and what can I improve on? And I think we do that for work, like we were saying, and you can do that for your personality and for your traits as well and your values, just constantly evolving. I'd like to think I'm a good person and I do good things, but you can never be the best. And so I'm going to keep keep trying.
0: What's your evolved version of being made now?
2: I want it to be made. I want to be made into Superwoman. (laughs) <laughs> Probably so I can just have it all, have my shit together. Just got it. I just want to have my shit together. Excel at work. Excel at being a mom. I want to be super mom. And I don't ask for help as well as I should. And so that's where the village comes in. And so, yes, you can have it all, but I'm not great at asking for help. And so that's really where I need to to work on. Yeah, Who do you
0: need help from? I
2: mean, I mean, help from everybody. I know when I had newborns and babies, I refused help of people just wanting to, you know, help out, bring me stuff. And I was like, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm strong. I'm strong. And it's no, that's not being strong. You're suffering. Like people want to help you. I think that was very eye opening to me that I felt like I was going to be a burden to somebody. I don't want to be a burden. And so I think that once you realize people want to help, which makes sense. I want to help people you know, people wanted to help me, you just have to say, okay, I understand I'm not being a burden and it's helpful for me if you help me and it makes you feel good and you want to help. And so I need to start accepting, accepting help.
0: And you and I talked about this a little bit too, even in reaching out for jobs and for help in navigating, getting back into where you want to be. What is the right way to ask for help? What have you found that works for you without it being just transactional?
2: I think that it listen, if you're going to your friend and you're saying, Hey, I need you to come over and watch my kids for five minutes, they'll do it. A friend is is somebody who should help you unconditionally. No, yeah, no questions asked. If you're going to a stranger for help and listen, especially working in freelance, you need that help. You need that, you know, that network. You got to build your network. And so I think the best thing that you can do is instead of saying, hey, I'm looking for a job. Can you help me? You can tweak that and say, hey, I'd love to pick your brain. You have the job that I am striving for. I'd love to know, hey, what's it like? How'd you get there? And then with that conversation, people are more likely to answer that conversation. With that conversation, 99.9% of the time, they're going to be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to introduce you to this person. I'm going to keep your resume on hand for the next time I hear a job. I'll keep you in mind. And so people are so forthcoming with help without you even having to ask for it. That is my my tactic and and for me I love networking. And I love reaching out and talking to people. And that's how you and I met you reach out to me, I reach out to you. It's great. It's really, really helpful to say, Hey, want to pick your brain? Do you have five minutes? Do you have 30 minutes, whatever it may be. And you never know who that person can connect you to who you can connect that person to. And I honestly believe in karma and what goes around comes around and there to this point in my career so many people helped me along the way and I always think about my Oscar winning speech when I win my Oscar all the people I'm going to thank and I think of the mentors that I had along the way and thinking it's a long list because there are pe- there there's so many people who have passed me along and who have helped me and and in life the people who have passed me along you know I know this person great babysitter here great you know this hacked whatever it may be which is essentially I think what I was doing in my in my blogging that you need the help. You need the help and I needed the help and, and the people who were there for me helped. And I think it goes a long way.
0: Give me some of those stories of people that have helped you. At work? Yeah. Or even how you landed some of your opportunities because everybody wants to know how to break into the industry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, I think, is right place, right time. But it could only be right place, right time if you're on the forefront of people's minds. So the craziest story of how I got My very first production job was I was online at NBC first to be in the audience for some show. I think it was like Jerry Seinfeld's show. I don't even remember what it was for. And I was online to be in it. And I was telling where, you know, in 30 Rockefeller and we were standing there and I was telling my friend, my dream is to work for NBC and I want to work in this building. And the person in front of me turned around and said, oh, I'm a producer here. And I went, what? And we spent the entire line. He was asking me all these questions. And we spent the entire time talking, which is probably why I don't know what that Jerry Jerry Seinfeld show was about. And he connected me to the right people. I worked there for about six months. And it was wonderful. So definitely that was sheer luck, right place, right time. But that's really all it takes because he passed me along to HR and HR was like, I need you to start that. You know, I think it was like end of June or something. And I was like, I, something's I'm working. I can start beginning of July. It was a couple of weeks later. And she was like, well, we really, I was like, tell me what you need and I will make it happen because I finally found the person I need to talk to. And I will make it happen. So tell me what it is you need, and I will do it. And I ended up working on the show before the Today Show, and got to work at like three o'clock in the morning every day. And it for me, it was worth it, because I was in the place where I wanted to be. And I was working doing what what I wanted to do. So I think it's really right place, right time. But you also have to have that drive and saying, okay, now I'm talking to the right person, what do I need to do to get this job? I will, you know, literally do anything. And I think it's the other thing is that I think it's really helpful to, like I said, be on people's minds. The more you network, the more contacts you have. And you know, what I started doing recently, because I'm trying to find something out in LA is make a list of all the people I've reached out to and saying, Hey, you know, you and I work together on this, I want to try and go out to LA, do you have anybody I can contact with that you could connect me to not find me a job but connect me to so that way I can talk to them it's so much easier for somebody to be like hey let me connect you to this person let me connect you to this person let me connect you here instead of being like well no she, she just wants a job and she's using me to find a job and everybody wants a job in the industry so I think that goes a really long way it's just making those connections being really sincere about it and don't ask because people will will offer and it comes off more genuine I also think that it helps to remind people. And I think that's, you know, saying people's forefront. I forgot exactly what I was going to say, but I think it's helpful to know who's there for you and who's not. You gotta know who's in your corner. You can reach out to a lot of people and I can hang up from a call and say this person is too competitive and not competitive in a good way but competitive in a bad way that they they wouldn't want me to succeed above them and that's something like trait you really have to kind of point out and and say this person's not worth my time i was when i was at ntv i remember there were produce and i was i was a pa i was a production assistant i was low of the low the lowest you can be i remember there were all these female producers that i would look up to and say, Hey, that's amazing. I want to talk to them. And they would not give me the time of day. And that's, I was like, I'm not competing with you. We are not in competition. We're not fawning over the same jobs. You have like 10 years of experience ahead of me. And there's no reason for you not, not to help me. And so I think it's really important to make sure
0: you find the right people. That is a great point. I would definitely agree. And I was just going to add one thing to what you said is that I really liked what you said about, Hey, just, do you know anybody in LA? Like I want to go out there. Who can you connect me to that I could have a coffee with? I think that that's a really good approach. And and how can I help you back? Like, is there right. anything that you want to work on or anybody that I'm connected to that I might be able to introduce you to?
2: Exactly. There's a production assistant that I reached out to on LinkedIn. So we've never met. We've had, you know, just a, a zoom conversation. She was really, really sweet. And she was interested in my, work as a producer. And I was really interested in her work out in LA and post-work, post-production work, because I am just getting into post-production. Most of my work has been in pre-production and production. So this is the job that I have now is really focused on post-production. So I was asking her about that. And just from talking, to she was like, you know what? I really want to be a writer. And I was like, you know what? I know an amazing writer who has passed me on to other people. So he's definitely willing to help. And he's definitely the type of person to give insight and advice out in LA. Let me connect you it took a little bit of time, but I actually just connected them. And now that I connected them, she's like, okay, now what, you know, how can I help you? She had my resume and I was like, you know what? I would love to talk to any of the hiring managers out there. or If you know of any of the producers, line producers that I can connect to, see how they got there. I'm happy to talk to anybody because you never know who is the right person to talk to, who can pass me to the right person. You just have to keep all your doors open.
0: You never know. My dad is going to love this episode. Is there anything that you would like to ask him?
2: Yes, I do. And I've been thinking about this all week. I would love to ask him what character traits or traits does he see that he's passed along to you and what's the best way to do that, to get that? Does I love that. that.
0: Sense? Yeah. I mean, I think about this a lot, like as you start to adult and your kids start to get older and- you start to think about, is this my path? Is this my parents' path? What do I want to pass on? And what are those traits? Like you said, I think it's constantly evolving.
2: Yeah, it's it's constantly evolving. And I think now as a parent, it's really, that question is kind of sticking with me because it's something that I want to make sure that I do where I I can portray, you know, being a good person and I show my kids I do A, I do B, and we we don't do C because that's not nice. And we explain why we do the good and why we don't do the bad and whatever it may be. But- it's like, I can do whatever I want. But a lot of the times you can only go so far because they're their own people. And so I would love to know you are a great person. You're a hard worker, you're kind. And so your dad obviously instilled some amazing qualities in you. And I would just love to know how.
0: That's so sweet. Teach me. I want to say I am constantly learning from my children and actually sometimes how I struggle to react, kids naturally react. And I even compliment my kids on being themselves and not being jaded by the world and and coming up with some pretty good solutions. So I, that's another plus that you can add to being a producer is that kids give you insights and kids keep you young and kids keep you real.
2: So young and real. And it's so real. You just can't fake it with them. They read right through that. And I, I feel like sometimes in the last couple of years, just because it's been so chaotic with the three kids, the pandemic, everything working, it's just been chaos. And I, I find myself almost making sure to give them my undivided attention and putting my phone in another room and saying, I'm going to sit on like. I used to sit on the couch and watch them play. And I was like, no, get on the floor and play a game with them. And even if it takes five minutes, you just got to do it because it goes a long way. I can't keep just watching my kids play, but I'm going to go out there and run around with them. And and you got to remember to be a kid
0: and to be young. And I'm feeling very old, but my kids got to keep me young. I love that. Well, if anybody listens to this and they know somebody in LA, how should they reach out to you to make an introduction?
2: That would be amazing. You can email me, Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N-B, Cooper, B as in boy, Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R, the number one at gmail.com. And I would love any assistance and I would be happy to assist back.
0: Also, what's that Instagram page if you are still reachable there?
2: A hundred percent. It's called the LB blog at the T-H-E-L-E-L-L-E-B-B-E-E blog, B-L-O-G.com. The LB blog.
0: I love it. LB gonna... like
2: Lauren Beth. That's my name.
0: I'm going to find you there. Cool. Go find me. Yay. Thank you so much for this. No
2: problem. Thank you so much, Rena. This is lovely.
1: You've heard from my mom. Now let's switch it over to grandpa. All right. So uh, you had quite a meeting with uh, Lauren. She was very uh, enthusiastic and spirited. But guess what? that excitement is how you get your life not only in order but where you have a chance to really enjoy it being a production supervisor she also has learned that you can have a script but nothing goes according to script you have to be able to go with the flow you have to be able to be a problem solver. And that's also part of life. But if you're enthusiastic and you have encouragement and you have a good team around you, you get a lot accomplished. If you have to do every task yourself, then you have limitations. So the bigger your network, the more people that are involved that really got your back and want to work with you and help you, she's able to accomplish a full-fledged life. She has time to worship and be grateful to God and keeps the Shabbat as well as being able to have a family and to be right out there in the middle of that of Hollywood. It's probably New York where she's in show business in the hustle and bustle being encouraged by her father. This is really the story about you also, is that one of your traits has become where you've been able to have encouragement to have increased confidence because you have capability of doing a lot, but you have to have confidence to be able to accomplish these tasks. And if you have a good team around you and you have a balanced life where you have God in your life and you have your children in your life and your husband or your teammate that does a lot for you. Sometimes he's a little underappreciated, but the fact is, is that he does do a lot for you. Just as Lauren has told you that she's really able to accomplish all these things because her husband gives her the support, her father gives her the support support as well where she feels like she can accomplish anything. And what did I always tell you when you were a little girl? Is that I want you to be able to stand up and reach for the stars that you're capable of, of accomplishing anything if you set your mind to it. I knew you would like uh, her story and all those little
0: bits as far as like what you said. She's got the worship piece. She's got the kid piece. She's got the supportive husband piece. You like all of that.
1: I do like it because that's the balance of your life. So the more consistent you are with all of these variables, the better you can to adjust to whatever is thrown at you. People that don't have a balance in their life or are missing these key components are ever in search of them. It's like trying to find the fountain of of youth or try to continue to look into your past to see what went wrong. Why didn't I get this? Why didn't I get that? What happened to me? Because they didn't have all the ingredients in the soup to really make it taste good and where you can really enjoy sitting down and having a nice meal because you have all the ingredients at the table and you have a well-balanced diet that also keeps you healthy, even though if we're talking about food for a minute, but that's what we need in life too. We need the same type of input in order to be healthy and vibrant. Another line that, of course, you know that I love is that if you stand still, if you think you've got it all, and you don't keep fighting for it and keep searching for it and staying in motion, nothing stands still. And if you do stand still, then time does what? It just passes you by.
0: Hey, now we just need a dance like her and her daddy.
1: Yeah, I'm telling you. I still would like to sing some songs with you, okay? Okay, I think, uh, I think that covers everything. I gave you the encouragement so that you can build your confidence. And I think confidence is a tremendous gift to pass on to not only your daughter or your son, to every generation is to be able to know that if I'm not here, that you'll be able to carry on without me. And so can hopefully my other children. Having confidence trait passed on is something that has to be learned and earned. All right, that's pretty good. And when in doubt, better call daddy.
0: Thanks for listening. Now I think I'm gonna go call my dad.
1: (laughs) I'll say goodbye and see you the next time.
0: Thanks for listening to The Better Call Daddy Show. Join us weekly for new episodes and more daddy wisdom.
1: Better Call Daddy is good advice always.
0: Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. You can also find special episodes on my YouTube channel, and you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Alexa, or your preferred podcatcher. That's a wrap for now.